Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 212. Today's topic is Bernie's Green New Deal, part 14. So what we're doing is reading through Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. The Climate Report is a daily radio show and podcast that asks the question, WTF? Question mark, question mark. Who's running the world and why do they want to ruin it for the rest of us, including their own children? The Climate Report is a thorough examination of how to solve the problem of climate change and your definitive source for information and analysis related to the Green New Deal. On the Climate Report, we question everything we've ever been taught about American politics, American economics, and American culture. We question everything we've ever been taught, and we rethink everything. Going forward, we rethink everything. I like what Peter Joseph says on that. It's, It's not about isms anymore. It's about what works. It's about solving problems. Our minds have been polluted with isms. Anti-socialism, for example, is the American religion. It is the official state religion of the United States. The Constitution says we will not establish religion or prohibit the free exercise thereof, but we have an established religion in the United States, and it is anti-socialism. I'm not saying it's coherent because it's not. I'm not saying it's, it's consistent because it's not. I'm not saying it's clear because it's not. I'm not saying it's logical because it's not. But we have an official state religion and it is anti-socialism, which means people don't critique capitalism. You cannot critique capitalism or you will be marginalized. Marginalized. That's crazy because, you know, socialism is the... Uh, is the modest proposition that in some respects we're kind of in this together. In some respects, we're kind of in this together. But the religion of anti-socialism will not allow us to even go there. That's why we have to question everything we've ever been taught. That's why we have to rethink everything. And that's why it's not about isms anymore. It's about what works, assuming We, as a species, want to survive, and of course, we do. So let's talk about it. The views expressed on this show are those of the speaker and no one else. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. Also, if you would like for me to send you playlists of this content, playlists of shows, uh, episodes that you might be interested in. I've done episodes on, I've done whole series on NAFTA. I've done whole series on Latin America. I've done whole series on how to diminish corporate power. I've done whole series on the Green Party's version of the Green New Deal. I've done whole series on, well, Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. I've done whole series, like 15 episodes, on the Democratic Socialists of America version of the Green New Deal. So there's something, uh, 
if there's any of that that you would be interested in, just email me info at theclimatereport.net and I will send you a playlist of episodes that you will be interested in. So what we're doing is talking through Bernie Sanders' version of the Green New Deal. So the original Green New Deal was put out by the Green Party in 2008, and then um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made it a household word, or at least a word among those who, you know, those are the progressives and those that bash aggressives, like Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, it became a household word. I mean, it became a word that you see on those stations. Or uh, the, uh, uh, the Green New Deal became a word that was frequently used in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. So, uh, and that happened earlier in 2019, 2019. So then Bernie Sanders came out with a version of the Green New Deal. About a month ago, uh, it's um, as I'm speaking, it's September 8th, 2019, and sometime in August, Bernie Sanders came out with a version of the Green New Deal. It's about a 13,000-word document, which means it might be about 50 pages if you printed it all out, and we are approximately 20% through this document. Now, we're talking about policy. Do not go to sleep. We're talking about policy. Do not get bored. Do not go to sleep. Here's why, because we cannot afford to leave policy to the politicians. Politicians are picking their noses and not doing their job. They are wasting our time. We can no longer afford to leave policy to the politicians. So we need to know what policies we advocate so we can tell our elected representatives, here's what we want. So let's get to it. Number 19 in my handy-dandy numbered version of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. You can request my numbered version of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal if you want. Info at theclimatereport.net. So number 19 is invest in resilience and justice. Let me read and then we'll comment. The Green New Deal is going to keep carbon pollution emissions low enough to stave off the worst impacts of climate change that we know are coming. However, scientists tell us that it is already too late to prevent all climate change impacts as we have already begun to experience. That means that we must prepare for climate impacts like sea level rise, more frequent and severe weather, wildfires, spreading disease, heat waves, floods, and droughts. We know that children, people with disabilities, the elderly, low-income families, and communities of color are most affected by these impacts and are also the least capable of preparing for and recovering from impacts like these. We must ensure that the most vulnerable communities are provided with the resources they need to adequately prepare. 
This means everything from ensuring emergency preparation and warnings are provided in multiple languages to providing extra resources to vulnerable communities to ensure full and rapid recovery after a disaster. So I just read a paragraph that has a lot of generalities in it. Some of the specifics will be spelled out in paragraphs to follow, but let's make a couple of comments on what we just read. So it says, yes, the Green New Deal is going to keep carbon emissions lower than they have already been, but we already have a problem. We've had a problem for 30 years or more. So we already have impacts. So the Green New Deal is not just about lessening climate change, but dealing with the impacts that already exist and will exist very soon. For example, it says here, scientists tell us that it is already too late to prevent all climate change impacts as we have already begun to experience. That means that we must prepare for climate impacts like, like what? Like sea level rise, more frequent and severe weather, wildfires, spreading disease, heat waves, floods, and droughts. Let's take let's just take one perspective. Let's take the impact of these things on agriculture and living spaces. So when sea levels rise, that makes it harder to grow food in some places. You have places like river, the mouth of a river that was just all fresh water. Now all of a sudden the seas are rising so that you have a lot of salt water that changes ecosystems. When you change fresh water to salt water, it changes the nature of the ecosystem. So we need to address these issues at the governmental level and not just say, oh, well, it's your problem. You should have worked harder. You should have got an education. We need to stop being so damn spiteful to our fellow citizens. And I'm not saying you are spiteful. I'm not saying I am spiteful. I'm saying we have a culture of spite and hostility when we need to replace that spite and hostility with goodwill and solidarity. So another item that is inevitable, is already occurring, is more frequent and severe weather. Instead of steady rains and reasonable dry spells, we have dry spell, dry spell, dry spell, deluge, downpour. Dry spell, dry spell, dry spell, downpour. Dry spell, dry spell, dry spell, downpour. This is going to require different farming methods. For one thing, it's going to require that we have farming methods that are more based on natural systems that include forests and trees. We need to not just have one crop as far as the eye can see, because when you have one crop as far as the eye can see, that is at war with nature, because nature is diverse. Nature has a diversity of wild flowers. Nature has a diversity of butterflies. Nature has a diversity of bees. 
Uh, nature has a diversity of trees. When you just have one crop, as far as the eye can see, that is at war with nature. It's, it's, it's taking diversity and turning it into uh, m something monolithic. And nature is not monolithic. So we need to, at the level of government and at the level of community, we need to be preparing for what works. What works in terms of living in a clean environment? What works in terms of growing food? What works in terms of making our food affordable? What works in terms of providing clean, healthy water for people to drink? What works in terms of making sure the air we breathe for all people is clean and healthy. We can do this. We just have to stop believing the purveyors of hate and hostility. That's why climate activism and climate justice goes hand in hand with social justice and solidarity. We need to stop believing and embracing the purveyors of hate because the people at the top want to divide us so they can conquer us. So what this paragraph is about is about resilience and justice. We need to not only prevent as much climate change as we can prevent, but we also need to provide for resilient communities. And that means our concerns, first and foremost, are with those that are the most vulnerable. Our concerns should not be first and foremost in taking care of the needs of the strong, the wealthy, the rich, the powerful, and yet, and yet, that is exactly what our government does. That is, that is the purpose of government is to take care of the needs of the rich and the powerful. That's why we bail out banks without even a debate. That's why we raise the Pentagon budget without a debate, because we're taking care of the needs of the rich and powerful. What this paragraph is saying here is that we need to focus on what, it, what, what does justice look like for the most vulnerable people. Now, on the same topic, we're going to paragraph 20 in my handy-dandy numbered version of the Bernie Sanders Green New Deal. And it says, as president, Bernie will do the following things. So let's uh, hit on the highlights of what Bernie will do as president. Now, this is a politician. Don't forget, Bernie Sanders is a politician. You don't put blind trust or blind faith in politicians. But he, he's all, uh, he seems to be a person of integrity. I mean, he has been consistent for 50 years. So let's see what he has to say. As President Bernie will create a climate justice resiliency fund. As President Bernie will rebuild America's crumbling infrastructure. As President Bernie will build resilient, affordable, publicly owned broadband infrastructure. As President Bernie will increase funding for roads. 
uh, as President Bernie will repair freight and passenger transportation networks, as President Bernie will build the 7.4 million affordable housing units to close the affordable housing gap across the country and guarantee safe, decent, accessible, affordable housing, as President Bernie will retrofit our public infrastructure to withstand climate impacts, as President Bernie will adapt to sea level rise, uh, as President Bernie will increase funding for firefighting to deal with more frequent and severe wildfires, as President Bernie will protect community cohesion, and lastly, as President Bernie will increase investments in the Hazard Mitigation Grant Program. So those are all very good ideas. You know, we have been taught through our doctrinal system, some would call it a propaganda system, we have been taught that government can't do anything right, that government is inept, that government is cumbersome, government, except when it comes to the Pentagon. The Pentagon can do no wrong, but the rest of government can do no right. I'm not saying it's logical. I'm not saying it's consistent. I'm not saying it's clear-headed. But that's what we've been taught, that the Pentagon can do no wrong and the rest of government can't, you know, organize its way out of a wet paper bag, which, of course, is silly. So Bernie is saying, here are the things that my government will do if I am president. So let's take these item by item. It'll probably take multiple episodes just to get through this one list under what Bernie will do under the climate, under the principle of resilience and justice. We're going to build resilient communities, and here is how. Letter A, we're going to create a climate justice resiliency fund. The CJRF will ensure our infrastructure and communities are protected from the unavoidable impacts of climate change. And underneath this, there are three items. Number one, once the climate, CJRF, Climate Justice Resiliency Fund, is established and funded at $40 billion, the EPA, together with a number of other agencies, will conduct a nationwide survey to identify areas with high climate impact vulnerabilities and other socioeconomic factors, public health challenges, and environmental hazards. Each community will then be eligible for funding in order of most vulnerable to least vulnerable. Now, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when Bernie is asked what is the greatest national security threat, he says climate change. He doesn't say ISIS. He doesn't say Russia or China or Iran or North Korea or Venezuela or Cuba or Nicaragua or Syria. He doesn't say any of those things. He says climate change is the greatest national security threat. 
You know what? Uh, how Americans responded when they were asked, you know, or like, what is your greatest concern, according to the Pew Research Center? The greatest concern is terrorism. That is pathetic. It is pathetic that Americans' number one concern is terrorism, and it's because of propaganda. It's because of relentless propaganda making us afraid of terrorism. Okay, so there was 9-11, and 9-11, 3,000 people tragically had died. 3,000 Americans tragically died on 9-11. Okay, that's a thing. But there are a number of preventable so uh, there are a number of preventable deaths every year related to health care, preventable deaths every year related to poverty, preventable deaths every year related to gun violence. And you could go on and on. You know, I'm not saying terrorism shouldn't be addressed, but what we do is swat a fly with a sledgehammer and make the situation worse. The U.S. is the proverbial bull in the china shop, except worse, because a lot of the damage we do is quite intentional. But we need to shift the focus from fake threats and put the focus on real threats. Uh, So societal disruption due to climate change is a real threat. Societal disruption due to drought because of climate change, is a real threat. Dirty air and water because of climate change is a real threat. Vulnerabilities caused by a completely dysfunctional food system is a real threat. Some of the greatest threats are, from, are at the hands of our very own United States-based corporations. Like, insofar as Monsanto has a product that causes cancer that is widely used, that is a real threat. Insofar as agribusiness companies want to sell us pesticides and uh, that, that kill off all the pollinators, that is a real threat. Insofar as we have widespread fracking that makes air and water dirty, that is a real threat. Insofar as we have, you know, train oil being carried on trains in a way that is unsafe, that is a real threat. So let's address the real threats instead of the fake threats. And step one, according to one of the steps is the CJRF, Climate Justice Resiliency Fund, funded with $40 billion. <gasps> How are we going to pay for that? Heaven forbid we should come, heaven forbid we should have to come up with $40 billion in order to to help people. We, we spend a, tr- a trillion and a half dollars every year on uh, defense which does not make us safer and uh, is, is, you know, don't get me started on defense. But whenever money, the government's going to spend money in a way that goes straight into the pockets of billionaires, there's no debate. But when the government wants to spend money in a way that's going to help people, it's like, ah, how are you going to pay for that? That's ridiculous and it needs to change.
Paragraph number two under the Climate Justice Resiliency Fund. The Interagency Council will issue block grants to states, territories, tribes, municipalities, counties, localities, and nonprofit community organizations. The funds will be able to be used for climate resiliency projects, building emergency community centers and shelters with reliable backup power, wetland restoration, abandoned fossil fuel infrastructure, and other environmental hazard reclamation, seawalls, community relocation, community evacuation plans, and resources for safe and complete evacuation. So what this is looking like to me, and hopefully to you, is that this is a this is the government doing its job and providing leadership. The billionaires and the wealthy corporations do not, repeat, do not want the government to provide leadership. They want the government, because they want to, you know, to the extent that the government provides leadership, that means uh, the wealthy, uh, that means billionaires and big corporations can't just do whatever they want. And they want to be able to whimsically do anything they want. That is the essence of their public policy proposals is for uh, the billionaires and wealthy corporations to be able to do whatever they want and for the government to stay out of the way except when government can put money in their pockets because they think the purpose of government is to put money in their pockets. And I am not exaggerating here. The wealthy and the, and, and the corporations that run the show think the purpose of government is to put money in their pockets. So this paragraph here is talking about block grants um, and that's going to be administered by an interagency council. Of course, anything that government does, the libertarian ideologues and the so-called conservative ideologues, who are not conservative at all, they're radical in the, in the worst possible way, but the libertarian ideologues and the conservative ideologues, they think government is just inherently incompetent, hell with any interagency council, but we're going to pretend that government can get stuff done if it, you know, uh, if we have a true democracy. When we have government that is not being sabotaged at every step of the turn, when we have government that is reasonably democratic and reasonably well-funded, then government can provide leadership. The purpose of government is to provide leadership. So one thing that jumped off the page at me here is wetland restoration is an example of one thing that can be funded under these block grants with the uh, under the Climate Justice Resiliency Fund. So wetland restoration is extremely important. When you have wetland restoration, you have a chance to have clean water. You have the water being filtered with wetlands. You have wetlands can be rich ecosystems. Wetlands can be carbon sinks. We need that. Uh, so wetland restoration, extremely important. And guess what? It's not something that the free market is going to take care of. 
Besides, there is no such thing as a free market. Show me a free market, and I'll show you something that is not a free market. Markets have rules, and usually those rules are made up by the people who have a lot of money to make, and they want to rig the market in their favor. That's why the free market is, does not even exist. I call it the, the uh, free market fairy tale. It does not exist. It's a fiction Instead of talking about the free market, we should talk about market forces. Supply, demand, yes, these things are real, but the free market is not real. So when people say the free market, what they're talking about is market forces. So market forces are not going to take care of wetland restoration because there's no profit motive in it. So we'll pick it up there next time. Thanks for joining me. Any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net.